Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. Just before we hit record, you and I were talking about, um, just when you're talking about timelines between mm-hmm. and, and how we got back into gaming. Yep. And one of the things I picked up about a year before you reached out and said, Hmm, I think we should do this. Or I'm yeah. think I'm interested in doing this yeah. is I went to the gaming store and they had a lot of stuff for three, five, yeah. three, five E out on sale Yep, and stuff that was um, even three, five E or yeah, three, five E OGL mm-hmm. open gaming license. And there was just a small little pile of books um by ironically green running yeah um that was my introduction to them yeah and it was uh for a gaming system called true 20 yeah and i did not understand this was before we started talking about it Mm -hmm. i went to the store on a whim i think um i think i was looking for something for a board game at the time and i got into the books and i'm like wow there's this open gaming thing and you can play this in the past, the present or the future, you know, there's books mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's very simple in terms of uh, skills and things like that. This is great. And the books were on sale. So I picked up, it was like four books. It wasn't expensive. Right. right. And I read through them and I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is fascinating how this, this, this gentleman who's and the team that worked with him, developed mm-hmm. this gaming right. system now we're going to find out soon enough that it really was output of something else mm-hmm. true mm-hmm. 20 you know chicken or the egg true 20 didn't come first it came really came later. after yeah. something else yeah but um this was something i think we had talked about just real briefly before you had gotten back into it but you brought up something interesting about you know we've known each other 30 years and somehow, so it so as in um as as Thanksgiving season approaches, it will be six years since I got back into gaming and reached out to you and reached out to our friend Brian and said, "Hey, any chance you want to do this?" And somehow, in the previous twenty four years, as close as we are, we almost never talked RPGing. We had never played yeah. together, not even close. I had no idea you had a history with D&D. You had a, fam- a history of familiarity with a bunch of games out there. As a kid, you were doing it What even before I was introduced to it by our friend Scott. Um, it just never came up, which seems statistically impossible, if not improbable. And yet, well, did- we t- and we talked recreation. I mean, we, we've, we talked cycling, bicycling. We talked you know, outdoor activities, um, you know, we got into, we don't do this here because it's a nice change of pace for us, but we would get into some pretty heavy topics about so politics and faith and yep. yeah, everything. So it was like you said, this was like a, it, it just seems, it seems unusually odd yeah. that, and especially because of our interest and love of sci-fi that we yeah. never talked about role-playing and sci-fi. You know, and I think I think for the longest time, I had 
almost repressed my interests. Like I, I always loved playing. Um, uh, even, even, you know, even to this day, especially if I'm watching something with star Wars, uh, I'll wonder if something, you know, amazing happens. It's like, I wonder what you'd have to roll for that. Uh, although nowadays I would be wondering that with the Genesis narrative dice system, maybe even 5e back in the day, it was the D6, right, from West End. Um, and that that never left me. But I mean, let's let's face it by, you know, the last time I had played prior was um I mean, I I was in grad school. It was the the late '90s. I mean, it was not hip to role play. That was a lot, and, and right. And we were trying to be professional and trying to learn and trying to get into to to the, life. The and internet like, didn't oh, no. give us no. the internet didn't give us this window into the fact that that's right. Such a diverse group of people played. Yep. And so yep. we were going off of, or at least I was going off of preconceived ideas from 1985 or 86 that, yep. you know, you grew out of this. Exactly. And I was 40, I mean, six years ago, I, well, we were 42 and I remember yeah. it had been coming for a while and I finally decided, you know, to heck with this. I miss it. And I never stopped thinking about it over uh, close to 20 years of absence. Yeah, uh, and and I just decided it, that's it. I'm in my 40s. Screw this. I'm doing what I love to do, whether that's recreationally or professionally. Now you're going to have to flag it as explicit. I don't think we have to for that. <laughs> okay. I don't think um, that's sufficiently naughty. Okay. Well, I I could I listeners could, well, you chime would actually, in. Let you us would, know. You would beep. You would beep it out or edit it. But um, but you know, it's funny that because uh, I think you know we both found who ultimately became our wives in the latter part of the 90s that was a um, tortuous way to explain that but but true <laughs> yeah yeah, yes. yeah well i was trying to do it in a way that that allowed we were for the both fact equally that, surprised that we found wives exactly and, as were many and, others, and how yes. how relatively inept we were um at interesting um, use of the past tense but go on yes yeah, yeah. How, how how inept we were so once that came around too, and then marriage and then kids, it just didn't, it didn't come up. I mean, we, we, you moved no, off. Yeah. We, we yeah, would, it, we would talk regularly. And we talked like, about even sci-fi before. and fantasy, yeah. all the stuff in, in uh, like uh, on screen and books. But we never talked like we're doing we, now. Like, we, and the no. folks that listen know we zoom call this, yeah. but we re obviously release audio, but we didn't even have that back no. in the day, No, you know, our no. message, we would, maybe group email group message not even text message that was before was sms ICQ. really became popular it was icq yep. back in the day but uh, yeah, or we're AIM. Uh, yeah. So, or we're AIM, so right. point being yeah. a year before maybe a little more i got into this true 20 and i was fascinated by it yep. and i we've we've discussed this idea of rpg material as lit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i read through all this true 20 stuff picked up a couple, another couple books yeah. um, through Amazon and through uh, some of the book resellers out there. And I was really into it. And yeah. then you showed interest. And then we went down the path we've talked about, but early, early on, once we started talking, you started putting a bug in my ear about, have you seen this true 20? Have you seen this true 20? And I didn't know anything about 
three five e. I'd never oh. played, or I think, sorry, I once played D and D at a sleepover when I was in junior high, or maybe it was sixth grade. Right? I didn't know anything about D and D or Pathfinder. I I didn't, and so you were all excited, and I had no real basis of comparison. It looked neat, but it's like, well, it's not Star Wars, so I'm not yet interested. Yeah, well, that yeah. was well, and we, we talked about how, you know, you you were you were reluctant but willing to try going into high fantasy. Um, I was reluctant. It took forever for you to get me into Pathfinder. Yeah. So, but point is, is so I've had this true twenty stuff. I've come back to it a lot because it's yeah. a you know we've talked about Savage Worlds, we've talked about yep. Fate, we've yep. talked about the Sandbox of Genesis. Mm-hmm. True twenty is in effect a a very lean um you know really just a slick version of um a d20 system and the right on the cover it says designed by steve kenson i'm yep. i have the book in my hand yep so for the for the original first edition there's original and there's revised i have mm-hmm. the i have the original in, in right up here on my desk so when we were out um out in the Twitterverse, and when um, our friends at Green Ronin um, yeah. got in yeah. contact with us, um, we've had Malcolm Shepard on with us a couple mm-hmm. times. Malcolm, mm-hmm. you have to come mm-hmm. back. Yep. Troy, bring Malcolm back. Um, when uh, our friend Troy at Green Ronin said, "Well, we can, you know, maybe maybe Steve would be willing to join <laughs> you," um, I was, I was. I- I was you were excited. Yeah, I was were, excited just because excited. Of, I because of his connection to my interest in returning to gaming. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, you know, just so being able to have Steve here, um, talking about um, his experience with Green Ronin, with mutants and masterminds and Blue Rose, and mm-hmm. then his new one that he has going through uh, Patreon. Yep. Um, Twilight Accord, the Fallen City. We're going to yeah, talk about that with him. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, patreon.com slash Twilight Accord. We'll have all the notes there, but mm-hmm. um, you'll find, um, you know, the when we talk to him, he'll, we'll talk about Twilight Accord a mm-hmm. bit. And it has, you know, I don't want to give anything away. There is a broad based appeal to it. Oh, it's so clever. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so important, but also it was neat um, hearing from Steve regarding the history of yeah. Green Ronin as an RPG publisher right there. I mean, we consider them friends of the podcast. They're one of our favorite publishers. They do some really diverse things, you know, not just monolithic in in, in their focus. And so uh, to hear from Steve, who has been writing RPGs, what was it, since 1995? Yeah. And, or writing four RPGs. At well, least. he even was talking about even even earlier than that when he was younger. Right. Oh, right. You Sorry, know. being published as yes. a writer of material since '95, yeah. and right when he was in college, and um, and what did he say? Being the second actual employee of Green Ronin. Yeah. So beyond hear, the beyond the beyond the the three beyond founders. the founders, right? Yeah. And so to right, and so to hear the history of the company. Um, because I, I don't think just like us, I don't think many people in RPG land are necessarily familiar with just how much of an impact Green Ronin 
has had on the gaming industry and what a lot of us do at the table. Um, but like you said, it was a really interesting conversation to hear from someone who has so much history in the industry and has developed so many games that are iterative of one another and at the at the same time being really quite disparate. It's a really, really interesting broad portfolio. And again, the 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 one he's working out now, uh, working on now uh, on Patreon, it just sounds so interesting. Yeah, and I, and and you'll hear us. I I wanted to to walk back his mm-hmm. into his history, mm-hmm. but we really wanted to hear about uh, Twilight Accord. Yep. So yep. we we probably didn't spend as much time as we wanted to, but we wanted to be cognizant of of his time. Yeah, it was um, getting late for him. Mm-hmm. It was getting late, and and so we asked him to come back because we'd love to talk more mm-hmm. about it as they progress. Yeah, yeah, we will definitely be having Steve back when Twilight Accord comes out. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, uh, we are very pleased to bring you our chat with Steve. Steve Kenson has been a professional RPG author and designer since 1995 and has worked on numerous books and games, including the award-winning Mutants and Masterminds, Freedom City, and Blue Rose for Green Ronin Publishing. He has written nine RPG tie-in novels and runs his own imprint, Ad Infinitum Adventures, which publishes material for icon superpowered role-playing. He helped found the annual Queer as a Three-Sided Die panel series at Gen Con. Steve lives in Salem, New Hampshire with his partners, Adam and Christopher, and maintains a website and blog at stevekenson.com. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. We have, I, we, we've got a lot to talk about, and I want to get to us talking about Twilight Accord because um, you're in a funding phase for, right, for mm-hmm. that right now, and we'll have all the information out there um on it out on the, the show notes but before that let's if you don't mind let's back up um and talk about so how so obviously you've been writing rpgs and so on in some form or another since the mid 90s yeah uh i i just recently realized that this year uh or yeah this year is is the 30th my 30th anniversary as a published rpg oh, author wow wow how did you get to, how did you get started doing it? Um, well, I mean, I was a very avid gamer um, in high school and later in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I was the um, I wasn't quite the forever DM of uh, the the game group, yeah. but I, I was definitely the uh, the one who ran a lot of games and you know would you know bring you know whatever new game was out. Um, to my group and be like, we have to play this. Um, and so I was very active as a, as a gamer. Um, and in the early 90s and the, the, the dark ages of the internet, um, I, I was involved in some um, online gamer oh, wow. forums. Wow. Um, you know, uh, and uh, I happened to um, do some uh, playtesting for the the second edition of Shadowrun, oh, um, which um, my game group was, was crazy about at the time, mm-hmm. um, 
And um, I, uh, I was definitely one of those play testers um, who was very enthusiastic and had a lot of suggestions. Um, but apparently at least a few of them were decent um, because um, uh, Tom Dowd, who was the Shadowrun developer uh, yeah. at the time, um, uh, ended up uh, using some uh, stuff that I, I pitched and posted nice. and like. Um, and uh, eventually uh, when he had a, a freelancer drop out on a small project, he asked if I wanted to write it. Wow. Um, and uh, it was like a thousand word essay. Um, but uh, I, I jumped to the chance and, you know, I, I, I labored uh, over it. It's probably the, the most work I've ever put into a thousand words. Um, and uh, that started me off on uh, the um, process of picking up freelance work um, writing uh, initially for Shadowrun, uh, uh -huh. later for uh, Earthdawn, uh, also from FASA. Yeah. Um, and I began branching out from there. Um, a, uh, a couple of years, two or three years later, I, um, I decided I was going to quit the corporate day job that I hated um, and uh, write full time. Wow. Okay, so... I'm just curious, approximately how old were you when you got that first gig? I was 23. Yeah, I mean, just just to put that in perspective for everyone. Yeah. I mean, what an incredible thing. Yeah. And we're right, and we're 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 all here on on in this. We're relatively close in age. Yeah, I think so. so. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So I can. Yeah. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I can. I can. You know, I can imagine just going back to that point, getting involved in that type of stuff. You had to, man. You know, you had to have, you had to throw the dart really, really good to hit that bullseye to be mm -hmm. able to get involved in that. Unlike now, where we can talk to someone, you know, Jason and I can actually meet and talk to someone who does game development and all that. It probably yeah, wasn't as easy to, be to do sure. that. Um, yeah. the, the only way I I met people in the industry was by going to conventions. Sure. Back then. Okay. Wow. What was the so, what was the landscape like? For, what was the landscape like for conventions at that point so early in your career? I mean, like you said, it was it wasn't pre-internet, mm -hmm. but it was close. It was pretty close, yeah. I mean, the it was in some ways, um, I mean it was it was less so than it is now. Right. Um, when you know it seems like there's a major yeah. convention yeah. everywhere all the time. Yeah. Um and uh Gen Con and Origins were the big linchpins mm -hmm. you know of the convention season and certainly of the tabletop industry uh as yeah. far as that went i had already i started going to gen con when i was 18 okay um mm -hmm. and i have been to every gen con since but two wow uh, which unfortunately does not beat chris premis's record who started going when he was 19 and has never missed a gen con <laughs> uh, so I, I lost that out to him the first time I missed one. And and on the flip side, you know, embarrassingly, just because of everything that uh, Jace, I know you have and I have, I haven't hit one yet. But that's we are our, we are convention virgins. And, yes, uh, yep, totally. Yeah. It, yep. So it is so now experience. that the pandemic's yeah. over, we're yeah. we're we're deciding as to when we're doing. We're hoping like twenty twenty three. That's what we're guessing. I did have i <clears throat> i I think I told you this, Brett. I did have my first opportunity to go to a con next month uh 
and actually sit on a panel and it's like, yeah, I, mm. I can't just, no, thanks. I like the, neither have the time nor the money, but, but, you know, next round. <laughs> well, and, and I live here in Milwaukee where Gen Con used to be mm-hmm. before yeah. it moved. So um, I remember when it would be downtown, I yeah. I was working downtown and everyone would flock to Jason almost flock to Grand Avenue and all that, where yeah. there were restaurants and food mm-hmm. courts mm-hmm. And, everyone would swing through there as they came through. And a lot of people you, you would know cause they dressed the part others didn't. And mm-hmm. we have Gary Khan here for D and D, which is right. an hour South of us. Um, and at some point, but when you and I got back into this, Jason, it was right before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. yeah. So, but they're um, picking up now. I mean, look at, like yeah. you said, like you said, see, I mean, they're, they're, they're all over. I mean, you just, you see the reports and um, man, yeah, it's back. Yeah, I am freshly back from Gen Con just over like a week and a go. half ago, and yep. it was the attendance was over fifty thousand. Oh my god! Oh my god! Wow! And I what, live hearing that that just things are returning. There's and, such and a normalcy. What what I was seeing online was that in that it was it was handled by most pretty well. Mm-hmm. Is that is that legit? Like like that there was, were people were taking care of things. That was my experience. I mean, yeah. Gen Con had a, a mask and um, proof of vaccination mandate. Oh wow! Um, okay. So you had to you know show your vax card and get a, a wristband, um, and you know it was masks on on the convention center yeah. all, at all times. Nice. So mm-hmm. um, those those rules were very strictly observed as far nice. as I saw. Mm-hmm. So, That's great. Yeah. We tend to avoid politics, but that was one of the political things that I know you and I have talked about, Jace, just because, yeah. you know, yeah. now granted, we both, yes. we both have come out of COVID this summer, well, but luckily, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not politics. That's just science, but well, we I know, but get yeah. back to the, yeah, to the unfortunately point. Yeah. they merge, but yeah. okay. So yeah, sorry. I, I, like we told you, Steve, when we started, this tends to get a little organic and we tend to go off on tangents. Yes, organic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you got it. Ultimately, at some point, you mm-hmm. ended up partnering with Green Ronin. Yes. So um, in the early, late, very late 90s, uh, early 2000s, um, uh, I, had, I had become friends with, with um, Nicole Indrus and, and Chris Premis, um, uh, two of the three partners uh, of Green Ronin. Um, and we knew each other from the convention circuit and, and talked online uh, and the like. Um, and um, Ian, uh, Chris was working for uh, Wizards of the Coast at the time. Yeah. Um, and um, third edition D&D was in the works. And uh, so uh, Chris decided uh, to uh, be one of the first adopters of uh, the open game license um, and uh, designed and published uh, the adventure Death and Freeport uh, as one of the first um, third-party, third-edition D&D wow. adventures. Uh, it was released at the same Gen Con as third-edition D&D. Wow. Um, and uh, that launched Green Running Publishing. Uh, so um, I initially um, did some freelancing for for Green Ronin as the the you know sort of open game license era was taking yeah. off um, and wrote a few source books uh, for them um, and around that time I had uh, designed a uh, a superhero setting um, 
that I had started working on a few years prior uh, as a freelance project that fell through. Um, the uh, publisher decided that they weren't going to um, publish it. And so the work reverted to me. Um, and uh, I kind of kept working on it as a side project just for fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was talking with Chris uh, about it. And I was just like, at, the, at this particular time, it was a, a strange fallow time in the industry for superhero games mm-hmm. um, because there was just nothing right uh at the time and i was i was basically complaining that i had this superhero setting and it was like there's no publisher i can pitch it to because nobody's publishing a superhero rpg right now um and um chris was like well you know can i take a look at it i said sure i'll send you the draft um and he he read it and he said well i'll tell you what i think it's really good um if you want to design a superhero game you know using the the open game license, yeah. you know, something D20 based, um, we'll talk a two book deal. We'll do a, a rule book and we'll do your setting book. Wow. Um, and one, we'll, and we'll see how it goes, you know, basically. Um, and that project is what turned into mutants and masterminds and the first edition of the freedom city source book. I, that, that's really interesting. And I just, I just want to go back for a sec and, and just note for everybody how just nonchalantly you're like, and, and, you know, I wrote a few source books and blah, 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 blah. Like, like I just, I just spent a little time creating entire world, several of them. And then I got serious. I just, I just want to point that out of, of how uh, minimalist that comment came across when the amount of work must've been just massive. I'm I'm moving around as I do because my introduction to Steve was um, some work that he did with this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You've been Brad's been talking about that for oh I think first few years. uh, A few years. Official Dream Renee projects. Yeah. Yeah. So I and that's oh, just but but Brad, since we're an audio podcast, maybe you want to tell. Yeah, I was going to get that. What we're I was going to get there because I'm jumping ahead in the I'm jumping ahead in the story because you yeah. you, you talked about mutants and masterminds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that comes obviously Blue Rose, but yep. and correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, the mechanic you used mm-hmm. for mutants and masterminds, um ultimately became i don't know i and i'll be honest with you i can't remember off the top of my head it in effect was its own mechanic through the ogl right well yeah um the the key thing and i think you're referring to the uh the the toughness check mechanic for damage most likely Mm -hmm. um one of the big um departures that mutants and masterminds made from the the d20 srd was um, the way uh, it handled damage essentially like a kind of saving throw essentially mm-hmm. um, and the the degree of of success or failure on the the check determined the sort of effect of the of the damage because i i played around with um uh, you know mechanics for for doing superheroes with the mm-hmm. d20 system mm-hmm. um and I was not a big fan. Maybe I, I was. I was probably traumatized by playing a lot of champions in college, um, but I was not a big fan of of characters having to roll, you know, twelve to fifteen, six or eight sided dice to determine how much damage they did. Right. Right. You know, with an attack, uh, especially when they were going to do that routinely. Um, you know, it's one thing if it's your character's big spectacular thing. 
but you know if like every punch you throw is 12 d6 damage that just gets yeah to be a real drag yeah um and so i was like is there another way i can do this um and i came up with and i basically i looked at how the d20 system handled other hazards and i was like oh well they're saving throws for other things um you know why don't we make damage a saving throw and um i uh, i pitched that idea to chris and the the key thing was that uh we needed to produce the game under the open game license and not right, the right. d20 license at the time because it would no longer be compatible with the requirements that d20 required yeah um so and chris was okay with that he he thought he agreed with my reasoning uh, and that it was a better mechanic for the game uh so we we went with it and it ended up you ended up publishing in effect that you know the 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 gaming system i guess is the right term i don't know if what it was and that's what i was holding up before folks yeah. you can't see it but i was holding up a chunk of my collection of the true 20 gaming system books that mm-hmm. i have from yep. green ronin well, i mean when so. when you taught when you started you were when you excitedly shared this this true 20 thing with me again at least three years ago um longer probably like pro- six, yeah, probably I, when we got back into 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 rpging yeah um I think it was the elegance mm-hmm. of the mechanic that drew you in, right? Compared to what what you'd seen elsewhere, because you were you were looking for something that hit that right balance of crunchiness and elegance. And well, True Twenty, you you were very keen on it. And yeah, and you're not, and, and I'm not the one being interviewed. I don't want to take Steve out of it, but you, you know, <laughs> there's the there's the you know, you have the different adventure settings that mm-hmm. came with it, mm-hmm. and um, the original four. And then there were five and Jason that you and I were just talking about engines and gaming yep. and all that. Yep. And mm-hmm. true 20 always comes back to me. And I know Steve, correct me if I'm wrong again, I'm, this is organic. We're all over the place. Um, they're pushing out or they're putting back out a lot of the, the, the true 20 stuff out on drive through RPG. If I remember or heard correctly, uh, we are making the, well, the true 20 stuff has always been available mm-hmm. on drive through. The difference is that we're, we're now making some print on demand additions oh, available nice. okay mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so so true 20 mm-hmm. and we can well we're gonna we could talk about that for hours that amusing some <laughs> masterminds and i don't want to i don't well, steve you actually need to go and spend time off the computer at some point so we'll try to keep it succinct but mutants and masterminds and in effect blue rose kind of begat true 20 in a way because mm-hmm. you ended up Indeed. publishing that um yeah. What what did you kind of work on? Did you spend time in that realm for a while, or or um, what kind uh, of came along with that or after it? Yeah. Well, the way it ended up working out um, was uh, that Mutants and Masterminds, it turned out, did well, and um, uh, Green Ronin uh, decided to hire me full time uh, to develop it um, as a you know full fledged game line. Um, so, uh, this was 2004 ish, 2003. Um, and, um, so I came on board. I, I was Green Ronin's second employee. Jeez. Um, after our, our webmaster, Evan, um, (laughs) other other than the, the three partners, you know, who were obviously doing most of the work in the company at the time. Um, and, um, uh, my, primary mandate was to um to develop uh m&m as a full line um 
But uh, Blue Rose was actually the first Green Renine project that landed on my desk as an employee mm-hmm. um, because it was one of those things that um, Chris thought had a lot of promise, but didn't have any time to really work on. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was uh, um, assigned, I was assigned to work with the editor who was working on um, Blue Rose to, to get the manuscript into shape, uh, who was Jeremy Crawford. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. Blue Rose was Jeremy's first RPG project. Oh, wow. Um, uh, he was working in um, academic tech support at the time. Um, and um, <laughs> uh, he and I uh, started uh, the process of collaborating uh, on Blue Rose. Uh, and it was also the beginning of our friendship. Um, nice. We would talk for hours. Um, and um part of that part of that development process was basically um uh, whether or not making the decision whether or not we wanted blue rose to be a a D supplement essentially right. or a standalone game yeah. which is what we later went with mm-hmm. um and that involved the idea of hey maybe we can if we want this to be a standalone game and for it to have some simpler mechanics in some aspects we can import some of these things we did with mutants and masterminds and yeah yeah um and that led to a lot of people um you know uh liked blue rose for the yeah. setting a mm-hmm. lot of people liked blue rose for the mechanics uh there were a lot of people like are you going to do something more with these mechanics um and green Marine was like well we could uh and so that spun off into the idea of basically taking the mechanics and building its a, a, an independent engine um and that became okay. 220 essentially okay. wow oh interesting let me let me fast forward just because i want to be cognizant of your time and such yeah. so yeah sure um you've been so obviously that you're now at a point where um you've you've been working on a game um that is it i don't know how to put this um that's in the funding phase right now you're on kickstarter mm-hmm. Um, um patreon patreon sorry oh patreon see that's why i i i said that was my bad i said kickstarter before we were yeah that's yeah yeah. but um twilight accord the fallen city so how did you come up with yeah this as a game and an environment and so on so uh the genesis of twilight accord uh started with um joe carriker um who's a fellow um ronin Mm -hmm. and uh is a primary developer on blue rose now for Green Rooney. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Joe uh, was the uh, author of a, uh, a superhero novel called Sacred Band. Uh, that's about a, uh, a team of queer superheroes uh, in a, a world where essentially being a superhero is illegal um, unless you work for the government. Um, and um, uh, it has a lot of interesting things to say about basically what happens when you know, these you know, queer characters who have power yeah. and you know, decide that uh, their community is threatened and someone needs to do about it, something about it, and that someone is them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that concept uh, is kind of the seed of uh, what eventually became Twilight Accord. Um, and uh, Joe and I uh, talked quite a bit back and forth 
uh, about the the notion of of inclusion in yeah. uh, RPGs, um, yeah. and uh, particularly of of uh, queer inclusion. Yeah, and um, we talked about the the key thing that that again led us to Twilight Accord was that there's a significant difference between inclusion and um, having a story that focuses on queer characters and their stories. Um, I'm all for inclusion. I'm glad to see a lot more of it. Um, But there's a difference between, hey, this NPC happens to be gay or trans um, and is completely accepted in this setting in society. And isn't that great? Um, And these are queer heroes and this is their story. Right. I mean, it's, it's the risk for tokenization, right? The, the, the Mm -hmm. minimizing of representation. It's always, it's always present. It's like, oh yeah. And they're this, but that's Mm -hmm. not the same as what you did. Sure. And so, and that's basically the, the, the high concept of, of Twilight Accord was to do a, a a fantasy, a D and D fantasy story that, that, focuses on queer people that's right um mm-hmm. have you so so yeah. you like you, you know it indicated it's you're running it off it's going to be off based off of the 5e engine yep. so um mm-hmm. how do you see it um when you wrote it is it in effect self-contained on 5e or is it you know how does it fit i guess i just want well, to Basically, our concept for Twilight Accord is a combination of a setting and a campaign, um, very much like ha- the great majority of the books that Wizards of the Coast has produced yeah. for D&D 5e. Yeah. Um, it's a, uh, a collection of adventures that will take characters uh, at least to you know, first to 15th level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the context of the setting in which those adventures take place. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like, um, you know, the, um, you know, uh, ghost of salt marsh is a campaign and also is focused on this nautical community and everything involving it. Uh, twilight accord is a campaign series of adventures and it's focused on this particular locale that we call the fallen city. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, Brad and I have talked about this, um, well, on the podcast, but tons offline this past year. But I think one of the things I appreciate and I respect most about the RPG community, kind of writ large, mm-hmm. is how truly progressive and and welcoming it's becoming, right? Mm-hmm. Like you look at all, I mean... Not to get on a soapbox for a sec, but you look at everything going on in society right now, and a lot of days it's like, wait, what just happened? How are we here again? Right. And then, and then you look at you know different different elements uh, is including in pop culture and whatnot. You know, like Star Trek because it's been like forty minutes and we haven't said that yet. But but still, like it's like, oh, look at that. But then you look at at games like what you're doing on Twilight Accord. You look at publishers like green ronin who Mm -hmm. are just just stepping out in front and saying look there are solutions to this and we're going to create them and we're not going to wait for the rest of the world they can catch up right i mean that's Mm -hmm. it's just a really cool beautiful thing and it's neat that it's happening in areas like rpgs and like as cool as 
as cool as as Twilight Accord is for queer players and GMs, right? As a heteronormative guy, I think, my God, the potential for people like me to play in this game mm-hmm. is is really significant too, right? Where it's yeah. like, oh, well, why, why wouldn't I pick up this game and play it, right? I mean, this is potentially world-changing stuff table by table. Yeah, well, I mean, I've always thought that one of the powerful effects of uh, role-playing is... Uh, the opportunity to empathize and literally, well, yeah. not pre- metaphorically, you know, spend some time in someone else's life, right. uh, as far as that goes, and to to play a different character, uh, to yeah. be someone else, yeah. uh, and get a get a sense of of what you know other lives are like. Yeah, if you don't mind me asking, and and, and all this comes across well. Obviously, you've got support. And everything from Green mm-hmm. Ronin on this, yep. um, and it's out on it's out on Patreon, not Kickstarter, yep. Jason. And I know I just had to yep. twist. Um, what have you seen in terms of feedback from individuals as you develop it and as it came out mm-hmm. and and became public out on on Patreon? Yeah. Uh, generally, things have been very positive. Um, given the nature of of Patreon, um, it. You know, uh, we have created a, a bit of a walled garden for ourselves in that, you know, folks who sign up are, you know, pretty much supportive of the, right. the notion, right. Right. Um, you know, and they're they're signing on to, to be supportive, you know, of this. They're literally putting their money where their you know, mouth is as far as that goes. Um, yep. Yep. So, you know, we, we've generally seen, you know, uh, enthusiastic support from the patrons. Um, it's. Uh, it's a little challenging uh, in terms of uh, getting folks involved just because we're in, it's a very slow development process um, and folks are getting, you know, a real, you know, sort of behind the scenes look at how the sausage gets made yeah. uh, in this. And unlike uh, Kickstarter, uh, ironically, um Kickstarter, which was intended to be a way of sort of generating seed money to right. launch a project, right. nowadays pretty much only works if you come to them with something that's already done. <laughs> the, okay. the most okay. the most experience has shown, and metrics tell us that the most successful Kickstarters are ones that basically have concept art and sample pages and this is what it's going to look like and this is you know the the complete quick start preview and here's a you know five minute video detailing everything about the product and you know basically all sorts of stuff that we're nowhere near the stage of having yet um and uh, you know so if you really want a Kickstarter to be successful, you have to really present a really, you know, complete, really cool, interesting package, yeah. not just a really cool idea. Um, yeah. Patreon uh, allows us a little bit more long time uh, to work with a community of patrons, get their input, show them progress month to month, yeah. week to week uh, on things. Um, and it's not quite so much, okay, give us all the money up front. We're going to disappear for a year. Right. And, you right. know, at some point you'll get a book. 
I, I'm literally, I was this, <clears throat> excuse me, I was this uh, two, two, two years ago now. Mm -hmm. I was literally the second person to fund a Kickstarter uh, mm -hmm. for a book. And I'm yeah. still, I still stand by, I'm happy to do it. But it's yeah. exact, and they write good people who are doing it, going to be a great product. But it's exactly what you said mm -hmm. of, of, <clears throat> you know, it's, we've got the money now, but. It's taking mm -hmm. time and there's nothing sure. in the interim. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I still refer to Kickstarters as gifts from my past self, you know, because every, oh, once yeah. in a, every once in a while, a book will show up in the mail and I'll be like, what, what's this? Oh, funny. And I'll be like, oh, that's right. It's that thing I kickstarted like you know, 12 months ago. It's, it's, it's your time machine. Yeah. I totally forgot this thing even existed, but here it is. Yay. Thanks, past me. You know? And on on Patreon uh, on Patreon, do do you find that 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 affects I, I hate to put it this way, but do you find that affects either positively or negatively your sense of commitment around the project and making you know doing things timely, or or is it just you're bringing more people um, on the journey? I actually find uh, well, personally, I find um, Patreon is actually really helpful uh, in terms of because there's a a set regular deadline and we're Got doing it. things on a yep. monthly basis we mm -hmm. have a schedule mm -hmm. to keep to nice i for mm -hmm. me that keeps me more on track than than this yep. vague sort of yeah yep. okay we've got all the money now let's do this thing mm -hmm. and i know cool. i mean yeah. you know just just because i when we knew that that you were actually willing to subject yourself to us um but you can join. I mean, you could, in effect, subscribe. You can join for just two bucks a month, and you continually get the updates. Oh and yeah, it's you know. Yeah. So I mean, in all honesty, it you know, everyone have, listening I'm, should do this at yeah, least at the counselor level. Yeah, right. I have, I have a, I, I belong to a few of them, and mm -hmm. and it's great to see the talk right. that you all have on the progress, you know, challenges, successes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the material and all that. And I think to mm -hmm. Jason's point and, and please, you know, you can, you can give me that since no one can see it, you can give me the, the verbal cues. <laughs> I don't hook. think any, I don't, yeah. yeah, the hook, I don't think anyone should, um, or I think everyone should take a look at this mm -hmm. just regardless mm -hmm. of, of kind of the background you were talking about for developing it. There's no reason it should be, shouldn't be looked at by anyone who's interested mm -hmm. in yeah. it. That's, yeah. You know. And, and honestly, you know, real talk, yeah. Um, we we've given a thought to the fact that, you know, uh, there are going to be there's going to be a significant audience that is not particularly interested in the the queer aspect of sure. Twilight Accord. Sure. Um, and uh, the, at the same time, the the setting is going to contain a lot of material that is useful, whether mm -hmm. you're interested in the mm -hmm. sort of. Mm -hmm. you know underlying you know concept or not right. um you know the the fallen city is still going to be a vast dungeon full of monsters um you know um uh, we're going to be providing a lot of game content in terms of subclasses and yeah. you know new inspiration mechanics and all kinds of new game system toys um mm -hmm. that uh you know you can still use perfectly fine, you know, in a regular old D&D &D campaign. Um, so even, you know, if 
somebody, you know, I mean, I would hope that folks would engage uh, in the the underlying story yeah, yeah. of Twilight Accord. And we talk about different ways to do that. Yeah. Um, cool. But, you know, ultimately, if even if you decided that that wasn't any of any interest, there's still mm. going to be a lot of value yeah. in it yeah, as, a, as a game product. Yeah, that's beautiful. Two, two questions that I'll preface by saying we, Jason and I never ask for uh, spoilers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but that being said, do you have, you know, are there thoughts and ideas about potentially even going beyond the initial release of the product? Do you kind of see this as yeah, where to next? Yeah. yeah. World, world building and development and broadening right. and so on. I think, I think that, most designers are are pretty much incapable of limiting themselves to you know just the the project in front of them uh so yeah i've already got ideas for a sequel if it does well yeah um and it merits one um you know joe and i have already said so hey after the you know clear ending point you know of this campaign what would happen yeah. next yeah and we we totally have ideas about what the next campaign would be neat uh if that come if it comes to that right. that is cool and then right. good just one for one for me because um are you still even beyond um twilight accord mm-hmm. are you working on other material yeah. always you know yourself that's yeah. a, okay well the, again yeah, I, that was kind of a, a broad-based question but yeah. um yeah. are you still doing stuff with um you know existing ip that you've worked on or are there mm-hmm. other things again without spoilers yeah, are there things sure. that you're working on outside sure. of that or yeah. well basically my um work day uh work week what have you um yeah. is um for i i am uh my official title of green Marine is staff designer um which basically just means i write stuff um <laughs> and um so uh, I, you know, have a certain amount of contract hours. I, I mm-hmm. work for mm-hmm. for Green Renine, and um, some of it is is devoted to Twilight Accord right now. But yeah. um, I, I also work on stuff for Mutants and Masterminds, um, for uh, pretty much all of Green Renine's lines in one form or another. I just did a few things for our forthcoming uh, Cthulhu Awakens uh, okay. game, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, um, you know, uh, just had a piece uh, come out for the new uh, Trades of the Expanse PDF series oh, on cool. uh, bounty hunters. Um, nice. So, That's cool. you know, I, yeah. I do a little of everything. Yeah, seriously. So you're not you're not bored. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I keep myself pretty well occupied. And of course, yeah, on top awesome. of that, I, I run my my own Patreon um, to do um, uh articles and support material for icon superpowered role-playing uh which was the other superhero game i designed uh, nice nice in order to uh kind of keep uh, as i said patreon is super helpful for me because a monthly deadline keeps me honest and yeah yeah keeps me producing things <laughs> so so closing question for you when you're when you're playing i don't know how much time you have to play these mm-hmm. days what when you are just playing for the sake for the joy of playing whether it's gming or, mm-hmm. or having a pc um these days what's your go-to oh gosh in terms of games or characters you or? You, you tell me i, I don't want to limit that like like for you when it's like okay this is the night we're gonna play mm-hmm. what's your ideal 
like, like these days? Oh, well, honestly, I'm fortunate in that um, my, my college gaming group is still together. Wow. <laughs> and, and we still get together every month. Wow. Um, oh, my we're, God. We're only playing once a month now. We used to play once a week uh, oh, back man. in the day. But, is it online or is it together? Uh, or both? It was. It was. We went online during the pandemic. Um, we are back to meeting in person uh, these days. Wow. Um, and right now we're playing uh, a uh, Starfinder campaign. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, cool. That a friend of mine is running. Nice. Um, and uh, thanks to the pandemic, I actually game a lot more uh, than I used oh, to, excellent. ironically. Um, because I I came to embrace uh, the the notion of gaming uh, online, um, which yeah. I was originally a bit of a snob about, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, I you know because being a tabletop in person yeah. gamer yeah. for you know just decades, I was like mm, I don't know. Um, but uh, when it became our only option, um, we yeah. actually ended up adopting it, um, and uh, we've done a couple of. Uh, D campaigns, uh, the Green Ronin staff online. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I am running uh, against the Giants for them right now. Uh, they are in the the uh, uh, rift of the Frost Giant Yarl. Um, and um, a, uh, Alex Thomas, uh, our um, assistant developer, uh, just started a uh, Golden Age Mutants and Masterminds campaign uh for us uh that wow. is set in 1938 uh which is a lot of fun oh <laughs> that's cool. that's well cool. i'm i'm glad to hear somehow you squeeze in just a little bit of playing mm-hmm. yeah. here and there you're there you're, you're much better i mean being oh, doing wow. all the writing you're doing and then being mm-hmm. able to game um i i feel like a real amateur because just that's with, so cool yeah, yeah, just with as little as we That's do cool. with the podcast about, we still don't have time for it. So, well, I just the fact, I mean, like Brad and I, we've been friends since college. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so about I put the that, same time period. Yep. yep, yep. I, right. I mean, we're talking with 30 years. And so I think of that and our, our very small group of friends and uh, from uh, and before and the notion of of having stayed together to play consistently. Yeah. yeah. That's um man, that's something to be proud of. That's really impressive. Yeah, and it it speaks cool. to I mean, just as a yeah. general, hopefully as we we wrap up, it just yeah. speaks to the 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 positives of gaming. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, it know, does. Well, I mean, without questions, one of the greatest and longest lasting friendships of my life have yeah. uh, come through the the hobby and uh, working in the industry. So incredible. Wow. Steve, thank you so much for spending some time with us. This is so interesting. Yeah. My pleasure. We'd love to have you back because as you get close to, as you continue to work yeah. on Twilight at Oh, we would love that, to hear more. Love yeah. to hear more about it. Because we only just, we, I wanted to make sure we talk about it, but we only just was tip of the iceberg. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we'd love to. Great. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Steve, Steve Kansen for joining us. Um, that was a real treat for me, just talking to someone who yeah, um, wrote the game that in many ways kind of re-triggered interest in RPGs for me. It really did. Uh, you know, so we'll have him back and talk mm-hmm. uh, Twilight Accord. Yeah, we want to hear and a I, lot more about that. Yeah, and I would love even to hear more about, because of his work on Mutants and Masterminds, mm-hmm. and Blue Rose is a unique 
uh, like you said, they they really are um, our friends at Green Running are really are unique in terms of the the content they publish. Um, and I'd love to get more into it, even beyond um, some of the other stuff. And you know, you and I have talked a bit. We'll, we'll I always am the one that 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 cheats a little bit, but we've been talking about some other um, stuff that we've been working on outside and um, some, and uh, the age system that we've mm-hmm. talked about mm-hmm. at length mm-hmm. with Malcolm yep. Shepard. Um, I foresee us utilizing that in some form or another yeah. going forward. So having Malcolm back will be cool. Yeah. There will so, be, as we said a few weeks ago, there will be updates in the new year. Yeah. We'll finally yeah. get our act together and make enough progress to talk about something. Well, I'll finally get my act together. You've got yours together and have been doing some work. I've just been schlepping along a little bit yeah. and um, not not keeping up as much as I should. But that being said, yeah. without us talking about any further like that, because I always yeah. tend to, 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 what is it, either unnecessarily throw teasers out or spoil, um, what, if, uh. what is... For you in the GM corner, what has yes. been on your desk or um, in your hands in terms of reading yeah. material and so on? Um, you, you know, um, what's been on my mind a lot has been a few different things. Um, some of them related and some not. And they're, uh, it's about what's on the screen and it's about what's happening in the real world. Now, uh, as this episode, I'm going to keep this brief. I'm going to focus on one, but just to provide context because it's going to matter. Uh, to as this episode drops, it is the 29th of August. This Friday, the first episode of The Rings of Power mm-hmm. starts September 2nd. Yep, you knew I was going to go there. Yeah. Now, dear listeners, we have our friends. We have not forgotten that Lower Decks returned for season three last week. Believe me when I say we haven't forgotten. However, that's all we're going to say about it this week because moving forward, uh, we are going to be doubling down on Trek, sorry, not sorry, for essentially a four to five episode little miniseries. It's um, partially intentional and partly not, but we're going to be talking to and about a lot of things in Trek on screen at the table in the future. So instead, what I will just talk about right now is uh, I am really, really curious about the rings of power Uh, as, as each trailer, as each, I mean, kind of trailer, kind of teaser as they come out, I think it looks better and better. I think it looks in keeping with the Steve Jackson look and feel, which I never loved the movies, but I enjoyed them a lot. And I think the movies, the I think the look and feel and sound of the movies were in keeping with Tolkien's books. And I'm very, very interested to see the second age. So um I can't say anything about it because it hasn't dropped yet, but uh, I Peter, suspect Peter well, Jackson, Peter Jackson. Oh, what did I say? Yeah. Steve Jackson. Oh, funny. Yeah. That, not yeah, the gaming, sorry. but that's, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. For yeah. Peter Jackson. Um, all good. Um, I'm really curious about that, Brad. I, uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to get my anticipation too high because I think what they're taking on, honestly, it's kind of like with Peter Jackson's movies. It's a her- Herculean task. And, and there are so many ways to goof it up. But I mean, what 
what like Amazon has put like 14 quadrillion dollars into this developmentally. So um, if if the plot is as solid as the visuals, I think we're in for something. How about you? What's been on your desk? Yeah. So um, that being said, we've talked about um, the one ring. Yeah. Um, I've still been working through that. Um, some of the other, well, I'm going to talk about two things. So the first one is uh, um, this last week I got um, my, my gift, my box. I paid for it, not a gift, but uh, from our friends at Modifius, yeah. I picked up um, the dude. I finally, finally, I've been holding off. Yeah. Um, I finally caved and got um, the core rule book. And, and it's then gorgeous, the, right? It is, yes. It again, much like the Star Trek material, mm -hmm. um, absolutely well done. It's got a, it's got a ribbon marker in it. You know, just yeah, all the yeah. little details. And I, what's interesting is like the first, first section, like ninety pages or something like that, gives you a primer of the Duniverse. Yeah. So, um, anyone who has not even read his books or seeing the 84 movie which i do yeah. like is as crazy as it is i did yeah yeah i did the sleeper has awakened and um or even the new uh movie very that came much out. so very yeah. much so yeah i uh um you can you can get into this and i think it is a fascinating universe you and i have talked about it yep so more to come on that um, again, one more game that we just don't have time to Added play right now. Add to the now. list of games we want to play and aren't. Yeah, that aren't <laughs> yet. Um, so if anyone out there is uh, GMing a Dune game and needs one or two additional uh, PCs, you know, reach out to us and let us know. Yes. Um, but the other, the other thing is, um, I don't think this is teasing anything, but I have been, you and I have talked about world building a lot yep, yep and um i have been reading material books and stuff online and even playing a couple very um low what's the term low interaction games mm -hmm. online um that are they aren't true high fantasy they are yeah. fantasy meets modern right and that has fascinated me and so I've been doing some world building along those lines and that's taken up some time because, and you, you and I've talked about this a couple of times this week mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and last week mm -hmm. um, I'm doing some writing on it and, and it spurred, I don't know that you, you do a lot more writing than I do. It, it, it was like a creative spurt that just kind of yeah. came yeah. from Good the interest you. in it. And again, um, what an imitation is the highest form of flattery is that mm -hmm. the actual. Yeah. Um, so I am, uh, you know, using some themes that I have seen elsewhere mm -hmm. and writing and more to come on that down the road. But um, that has taken up even more time. And that has left me with books sitting mm. next to my chair that That's I funny. just need to get into more. Um, and I even had, uh, we've talked about it in the past, microscope, the microscope <laughs> RPG. Yes, you sent me the link. Yeah, I had, I had mm. that out because I'm using that, some, some materials from that. Oh, for the in, world building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm. that's it for me. But other than that, um, you know, we've got, like you said, we've got an arc coming. Um, we're going to have, 
I think I think I can speak this even from a linear perspective. Jim Johnson's going to come back and talk with us. Yeah. Some really cool stuff going on. Oh, and and I mean, you you all know about it. It's been released the the Utopia <sighs> Planitia Starfleet source book, and um, yeah, I'm not sure it was possible to order that faster than we both did. Pre-order you, it. Yeah. You beat me to it. You you know you know it's I'm serious when I write when I. <laughs> And there was I, no, well, it wasn't, and you have, you have distinctly said, I am, I am limiting my purchases for right, you know, for the time being, because I have enough material and I have other things going on, yeah. but, but literally, I mean, it was, there was no discussion. There was no like text back and forth. No, I think I'm no. going to get it. It was literally no. Jim had, Jim had made sure Modifius had sent out the notification that it was available and literally within 15 minutes you had said i'm it's already ordered i so, i mean come on yeah so, oh yeah i'm yeah. i'm not i'm not knocking because i was i came in a close second yeah so so you know it's it's the beauty of of it's the beauty of role playing it's the beauty of the role playing community right that there's such a wealth there's such a plurality there's such a diversity of options right now i mean how are we not in a, <clears throat> excuse me, how are we not in a golden age, almost the golden age of role-playing games right now? Oh. I mean, you compare, you know, the, the late 80s into the early 90s. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff happening. But now, now you look at just the sheer amount that we see from the big publishing houses and from all of these little ones. I mean, I, I suppose we can we can say okay so we're working on something we've been working on something for a while um and uh and our hope is that Dyson Mind Press will debut in the new year we'll see that's a teaser we won't say anything more for oh now. you gave it up but I, I didn't gave it up. up no I yeah. I know it's it roles are reversed I'm on a roll yeah. um but but there's just so much coming up and there's so much out there and it's like every week there's another game announced or released that's different than what's out there. And, and man, you want to play all of them, but that said, that said, going forward, buckle up. We're going to have a whole lot of Trek coming your way. We have, um, we have interviews lined up with just the most interesting people doing the most interesting stuff in and around star Trek um, <clears throat> from being uh really part of it to being what you might call star trek adjacent to being what you might call uh star trek off broadway like it's a mm -hmm. couple blocks away but still directly relevant um everything in between and then rest assured after our our run looking at star trek and tabletop star trek from lots of different perspectives real life and play um we will be back to double down on fantasy and on other things because we haven't even talked yet about things uh going on in DD &D and Pathfinder and, no. <laughs> and the changes, the changes that are coming from both. Well, um, and I think, yeah. like you know, like you said, I think just from my perspective too, um uh from a trek perspective, it's also going to be a vehicle for us to talk about broader items. Yeah. Real and world so, items, yeah. real world items. So mm -hmm. it's not purely going to be all the time, um, you know, spoilers on the series. We're using oh, no. it no. much like, much like, and we've talked about it much like you, you and Aaron writing, um, 
material and in, in, you're involved right now with writing your book on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about Trek as a vehicle right. in real life. Yeah, I mean, you. We already have wonderful people like Lori Ulster, who with whom we just recently talked, and and who do that, right? Mm -hmm. Who get into the stories and get into the shows so very well. That's not our thing. We that's never been our goal, right? We want that intersection of real world and make believe inspired by by tabletop and um um i think the ones upcoming are going to double down on that as as well if not better than we've done before absolutely so science leadership gaming we're going to work try to work some other stuff in there um stay tuned everybody uh as always be well stay well we will see you next week 